0: Hey guys, just before we jump into the episode, today we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast today. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and we extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here today.
1: This episode is brought to you by the Psych Collaborative, our online psychology clinic, bringing good quality, accessible therapy to you in the comfort of your own home. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. I'm Amy, a registered psychotherapist. And I'm Kat, a registered psychologist.
0: And together we make the Psychology Sisters we are a podcast dedicated to normalizing the mental health conversation. Today we are talking a very requested topic, Ames. ones that I think we've had a few people reach out and talk to us about. But before we do get into it, I'm very excited to talk about it. I'd love to hear about you and your week in life. Give us the update, Amy Hudson. How are you?
1: Oh, thank you for asking. I am quite good. It's been a really, really busy couple of weeks. As usual, I feel like a little bit of a broken record saying that I've had lots and lots of things happening. I think one thing that has been coming up for me the most, which is probably going to be my pit, is a few friendship issues, friendship challenges, conflict with friends, which I think friendships are such important relationships in our life, the most influential relationships in our life, but, you know, alongside our partners and our family members. So, I think when conflict and tension and contraction arises around friendships, it it can be really impactful and stressful and anxiety-inducing. I feel like I haven't had to navigate that since high school, really. So, it has been a big shock <laughs> to my my poor little system, but I know it is something as adults and you know clients that I speak to and other people in my life that I speak to that does come up, and it can be really challenging to navigate. And that is definitely something that I have been, yeah, I, I guess I guess experiencing a lot this week is is just navigating conflict with friends and and being a little bit of a, a people pleaser and wanting to keep the peace and feeling probably an overcompensatory sense of responsibility when things do do escalate a little bit that has been weighing heavily on my poor little shoulders this week but but yeah n- navigating that i guess i always like to bring things to the table that are coming up as normal human experiences as we often talk about the reason we have this podcast is to normalize very normal Mental health things that can pop up. And I think our relationships and us being therapists doesn't mean that we are exempt from experiencing those things. So, yeah, I guess uh, that was a (laughs) tangent, but that has been something that I've been, yeah, really going through the last week or so.
0: Mm, It's so challenging, adult friendships, isn't it? I know when we did that, the episode on adult friendships, we got quite a lot of people reaching out saying, So glad you guys spoke about this. It's such a tough thing to navigate friendships in adulthood and as we kind of spoke about on that it's like there's no guidelines (laughs) you know and I think certainly when people pleasing comes into it it can feel so overwhelming and so anxiety provoking. So well AIM sounds like you need a bit of self-care my love, a little bit of beach time, a little bit of chill time, a little bit of Messina
1: time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Messina was great this week. I think my peak was definitely our little seminar this week, going in and speaking, giving a little mental health in the workplace seminar. That was lots of fun to shake up our week and then have some ice cream afterwards (laughs) after a, a few stressful days was definitely much needed. What about you? How's your week been?
0: Yes, uh, week has been good. Thank you. It is so rainy and miserable where
1: I am this week. Has it been raining in Nui for you? We had three really beautiful sunny days where it was like, oh, is summer still here? And then unfortunately the last, well, actually I think for the next foreseeable future, it is stormy, rainy, back to stormy water and flooded beaches and wet dark damp misery but <laughs> we did did get three three days of <laughs> sunshiny bliss Darkness which was amazing <laughs> is upon us oh winter is coming
0: yeah i know winter is coming so yes it's a bit of a miserable old day for me here but no i week has been good my pit would definitely be I think the change in climates and seasons I think I feel I'm really feeling like it's winter I'm definitely a summer baby so I think going into the cooler weather yeah has been tough to face reality that summer is over well and truly over but my peak is two things that yes we had a really awesome seminar on Monday which is so fun to do with you Ames and just nice to branch out and do something a little different also I went to Adelaide on the weekend just gone and oh my god I was telling Ames Adelaide is amazing I sound so naive for saying this but I just didn't expect Adelaide to just blow my mind like it did like it had beautiful white sandy beaches. We went to Glen Elg and then we went to the Barossa and had beautiful like Tuscan winery vibes. And it was just such a beautiful, stunning, quiet, <laughs> peaceful place. So if anyone is listening who hasn't been to Adelaide, I would strongly recommend it seems like such a beautiful city and so much more to explore I know Ainsley and I were speaking about doing a bit of a road trip along the peninsula down the south I think that sounds incredible so I would yes love to go back in a heartbeat so highly recommend a bit of an Adelaide trip for anyone who is keen to start traveling again so yeah that was really fun nice to just chill and just relax and travel again it was so exciting Mm,
1: it looked absolutely beautiful
0: so Today, we are talking all things wedding planning. We are so excited to speak about this and go through an experience that we think so many people feel and stress and perhaps it's not really spoken about. I think people know the stress of planning a wedding but I feel like until you're in it, you're like, well, this is crazy. This is really difficult to manage. So I thought this was a really important conversation to have today. got married a few months ago and I really struggled. And I know we spoke about this in a couple of episodes ago, but it's something we wanted to commit a whole episode to just to talk about and talk through. So if you're someone who is in the midst of planning a wedding or has already planned a wedding, you hopefully will be able to relate and get some things from it. So Ames, why do you feel like this could be helpful for people?
1: Why is this episode really important for us to do? I think mainly because I have been close to people that have planned weddings. I haven't been through it myself, but clients and and people that I'm close to going through this huge, huge process. And I think planning a wedding can sometimes be referred to as temporary insanity just because of the enormity of the stress and preoccupation with details, the dread of judgment, criticism, uh, consequences of COVID and rescheduling, postponing, everything. Everything is so intense and I feel like What I've noticed or observed is planning a wedding is kind of like being stuck in this bubble of just so many moving parts, you know, whether it's trying to please friends, family members, organization, mental load of juggling everything. It's so much down from even just choosing who's in your bridal party. So many choices and decisions that can be very psychologically taxing, not to mention the psychological stress that is just all-encompassing. And I think when you marry haha pun, when you marry that with expectations around what is meant to be just the most happy joyous day of your life, it can be a lot. <laughs> it can it can be a lot. So yeah I, I think this is a absolutely I agree with you, I think this is a really important episode for us to talk about because I think a lot of people really feel this, however, because maybe, It feels like it shouldn't, quote unquote, be as stressful as it is. Not very many people talk about it or because it's meant to be a, quote unquote, positive experience. People feel like it's not uh, relative or, or relevant or their stress isn't valid, you know, because there are worse things going on in the world. So, I think oftentimes we can end up dismissing and invalidating our own experiences and I think I agree with what you're saying, Kat. It's it's really important to have this conversation because it is such a, a big thing that so many people go through.
0: Mm, yeah, and I think that's so spot on. With the, it should be fun. It should be exciting. It, and I think almost it's. I felt during the process was almost trivialized. Like, oh, yeah, mm. you're planning a wedding, how fun. <laughs> it's like, sis, it's not fun. I, and that there's certainly some really exciting elements to it. But I think if you're going into it with this narrative, or if you're cognizant of it being fun or quite small or trivial or a walk in the park, then I think it's you're bound for disappointment, you're bound for experiencing anxiety, you're bound for feeling like, you know, maybe a bit of shame if it isn't fun or if it's not all that you'd hoped for. And I think there's so much weight on a wedding day and a wedding. It's, it's really interesting. I find so much more weight on the wedding than the marriage about the day and about you know how it's all going to look and come together versus there being so much excitement for the actual marriage I I think that's a really interesting paradox I found during my own journey was more about how exciting the wedding day but less about you know (laughs) the the marriage itself and spending your life with someone so I think there is this huge expectation on a wedding day and I do want to you know say here that everyone's so different and everyone has very different values and expectations around wedding and culturally as well that adds another element um, of complexity and a different point of difference to weddings but it's such for so many cultures and for so many of us wedding is it feels like such a big day and there's so much expectation on a wedding day and I find that going into it with this huge responsibility and this huge weight that, you know, your wedding day is supposed to be the happiest day of your life and planning a wedding is so exciting, almost does set you up for a bit of disappointment or a bit of, you know, not, not really allowing yourself permission or space to feel anything other than happy or excited. So I think even just the expectation going into it before you even start to do anything, the expectation is a bit suffocating for so
1: many people. Absolutely. So I guess, and and touching on your own experience, Kat, why is planning a wedding so stressful?
0: Great question. (laughs) Well, as you mentioned, Ames, I think the cognitive load, I think that's first and foremost something I didn't realize as I I kind of went into it with that really similar feeling of it'll be fun, it'll be chill, you know, go wedding dress shopping, eat your wedding cake, done. (laughs) And maybe that's just my own naivety, but I did not realize the intense and pervasive, you know, heavy load it would be. And I'm certainly someone who does get overwhelmed when I've got too many things to do in front of me. So I felt Just the first, you know, even just planning and choosing and picking something, for example, picking a venue, I found that really, really difficult to manage and to kind of figure out. Even though I knew where I wanted to go, there was so much more to consider about how many people can it hold? Will people like this? Does it have the amenities that I need? Is it in the location that I want? Like even just that, you know, that's just around a venue, (laughs) having all of those questions around a venue and that's, you know, also talking about price and all of those things that people do need to navigate so I I think even just having that huge cognitive load on just one aspect you can imagine what it's like to have it on the other 30 40 things you need to manage and organize so I think first and foremost the mental load the decision making the organization the time management it's the maintaining expectations it's expectation versus reality really I think because we have such you know for a lot of us have a huge expectation of what we think our wedding should be that often you know you can be disappointed because perhaps you can't afford to have the wedding that you have always dreamed of or perhaps you can't have it in the place that you want or you can't have the people there that you want so I think managing expectations was a huge one as well and it's so disappointing and you can't you know perhaps have the wedding or choose the things that you really want to have if you have any you know financial constraints for example so I think you know the the mental load but you know even the emotional load I think it's a lot (laughs) emotionally because I think you're feeling that overwhelmed with the mental load but then it's also like oh my gosh Emotionally, am I even am I ready for this big step? I think getting married and you know having a proposal is so exciting, but I think as well for a lot of people feel this. Oh my gosh, I'm spending the rest of my life with someone, and this is this exciting? But it's is is it normal that I feel a bit nervous about this? Is this yeah? Is this what I want? You know, you question, you can question your relationship, especially in the wedding planning process, because. It's supposed to be in quotation marks the happiest day of your life and yet so many couples fight and that brings on and evokes so many doubts of well then if we're fighting here does this mean that we're not supposed to be together what does this say about our relationship and so i just want to normalize that you put into a boiling pot you put into a perfect storm and of course conflict will arise you know of course there will be some point of differences here So, I guess the emotional load and the mental load are huge and really shouldn't be dismissed or minimized when planning a wedding. I mean, everyone's so different and I'm so aware of that. I know this is a generalization, but I find that for most people, feel this overwhelm (laughs) and, uh, you know, the, the huge load that it does carry and with it and financially as well, financial stress is huge in a wedding there's so much to consider and men weddings are expensive you go into it with a budget and <laughs> the universe laughs at you because it's like ha 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 that's cute <laughs> weddings are so expensive the wedding like the average price of a wedding I was just looking just then is like almost upwards of 50 grand oh that is gosh. so much money like they are like so expensive and I think especially in Australia where we live, cost of living is quite high already. Add on cost of a wedding, like they are so expensive and that causes so much stress. Like another stress is just the financial side of things. So already with just those three or four things, you can tell that <laughs> plenty a <of> wedding is <laughs> not always fun or exciting. So I think And then on the other hand, relationships, I find managing relationships, like who do I want in my bridal party? I don't want to offend anyone. Will these people be happy with that? Who do I invite? Who do I sit together? The seating at the, at the table. There is, if you're a people pleaser, (laughs) planning a wedding is one of the most stressful things you can do. So, you know, relationship wise and family dynamics, if you experience any kind of like, awkward family dynamics i know planning mine i yeah really struggled with some family dynamics as well so it it just brings literally every stressor you have planning a wedding will bring it up because it's so much to manage all while trying to like maintain your cool and look excited for it it's it's and, and can be so isolating and i think as you spoke about the beginning, it's like, well, this should be so fun and exciting. How come I'm not having fun? (laughs) How come I'm not exciting? I think that can be such a paradox and quite an isolating place to be for so many people. So yeah, I I think, you know, just to name a few, I think those things are so stressful for so many people. And that's just the kind of (laughs) planning process of the wedding without actually getting there. So in answer to your question, Aim, sorry, that was a very long spiel. That's what makes wedding planning so stressful is, is all of those things. It's one of the most stressful things I think we can we can go through in our lives.
1: Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And I think to add in a global pandemic, what do you think the impact of COVID had on on <laughs> the the perfect storm that is planning a wedding?
0: yes I forgot to throw in pandemic I mean if you're already experiencing all of this stress and the heavy burden of planning a wedding yeah then throw in a you know the global pandemic around that because I think often weddings you know even though there's so much to manage and, and do it is still an exciting process you still have something to look forward to but when you bring COVID into it it creates I know for me it created this idea of Okay, well, I've had to postpone two or three times. So what ended up happening is I developed a bit of learned helplessness where I felt this consistent loss of control. And so then I learned, well, I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't want to get excited for it. So what I'll do is I'll just disconnect and detach. And I remember speaking to you about this, I think on like the second or third wedding. I can't remember what it was, but I maybe being like, You excited? And I was like, I have no feelings. I just I've completely detached from The wedding because I just had a learned sense of helplessness. Like, well, you know, it may not go ahead, it may not happen. So I'll prepare myself for that, and I just won't get attached, I won't get excited. And it honestly wasn't until Ames came over the day before that I was like, oh, this like could be happening. (laughs) I remember Josh was like, yeah, it's it's the day before. I think I think we're ready to go. But I didn't let myself get excited until the day before. And I think for so many people there is that loss of control, right? Like, well, I don't know if this can go ahead. I don't know if this will be my dream wedding. So naturally what we do when we feel that continual and persistent loss of control is learned helplessness. We develop this idea to detach and not, you know, and you feel a bit helpless and disempowered about it.
1: Well, it's that sense of there's nothing I can do to fix it, right? There's this sense of no matter what I do, it's out of my control. And I remember too in the week leading up to your wedding or two weeks, maybe months (laughs) leading up to your wedding, there was this like preoccupation with the weather. I I remember you talking to me about checking the weather app multiple times a day throughout the night having sleepless nights about the weather because it was so out of control. Mm. Yeah, I
0: developed it was really unhealthy. I think if I did the DAS on me in that time, I would not be okay. <laughs> I would not have been okay. That week leading up was honestly the worst week I think I've ever had in my life. Like mm. I wasn't excited. I was so I was honestly, I think it was about a few times I was just gonna call it. I was like, I can't because our wedding day was (laughs) forecasted for flash flooding. (sighs) Yeah, and because I had so much like I lost so much control in the wedding planning process because of COVID. Even though I can't control the weather, there was this preoccupation with well, what can I control? It's checking weather apps. I think i downloaded download—so <laughs> embarrassing—about four or five different apps. I went through Google Scholar, also very embarrassing, to find the most valid, accurate weather app. Um, it's called Weather IO. For anyone playing at home, it's great Swedish, and I just continually checked that. I had about six tabs open on my phone, and I would refresh it like every hour. So unhealthy, but yeah, you're right, I was trying to find some control in the uncontrollables, even though, who did I think I was, God? Like, I think I could control the weather. (gasps) Yeah, there's so much of a feeling of a loss of control with not just COVID, but but the weather. And it's so pervasive and debilitating.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I guess when we think about, Control as an adaptive coping strategy. Control functions to create a sense of safety, you know, giving us pseudo control through getting things right, getting needs met in a safe way and creating certainty and predictability. And when we look at, well, especially your individual experience of planning a wedding, there was so much uncertainty, yeah, with global pandemic, weather, weather lots of lots of things ever changing landscape uh if you will in in that that literal storm and metaphorical storm it is about actions and behavioral rules that that kind of give us this pseudo sense of of certainty or safety and sometimes it can be really linked to that i guess lack of a, emotional Support or or lack of emotional kind of holding guidance. And I think that really plays into the fact that this isn't often spoken about. And so Kat, you've mentioned a couple of times that you felt really isolated and alone in feeling all of this stress and anxiety and helplessness around planning a wedding. And I think sometimes having this, you know, really intense control coping mode compensates. So trying to feel a sense of, yeah, certainty. Yeah, or even just a sense of stability because things can feel really unstable and it's about fixing things, right? So when things feel like they're going really, really wrong and not to plan, like this whole planning process is not enjoyable, is not the way I imagined it to be, it is, okay, well, well, what solutions do I have? How am I going to fix this to try and make it what it should? And I think sometimes what people can experience is like almost a sense of guilt for not enjoying it, and that can really play into things like self esteem and and worthiness. Do I even deserve to get married if I'm not enjoying it? Um, we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves, and and that can be really awful too, because then there is this sense of not only loss of control and helplessness and a lot of uncertainty and anxiety swimming around, but it's also now this, oh, no, like am I doing something wrong? Is it my fault, you know, that, that this is happening in the way that it is or is there something wrong with me that that I'm not enjoying what should be the most enjoyable time of my life?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And it is such a lonely place to be because, as you said, yeah, you feel like I should be happy or I should be excited, but I'm not so I'll just keep that to myself or (laughs) I won't share anything because I think the narrative around it is, oh, you're getting excited. How are you feeling? And it's like, if I were to say I'm not feeling great, then I yeah, you're right. Do I feel worthy of this? Am I, you know, does this make me look like an awful person or not excited? Does this say something bad about my relationship? Does it say something bad about me? So yeah, very isolating. And I remember as well, like, with like specifically more like the weather or other things outside of my control I remember people would often have this commentary and, and I know it was intended to be helpful but things like you know but you get to marry the love of your life or yeah but you know photos look better when it's raining or it'll all work out in the end and while it was so well intended and so lovely I could really understand where they were coming from It almost minimized my own feelings. It's like, yeah, but the yeah, but felt really, yeah, like, and that kind of impacted my sense of guilt already. I'm like, I'm already feeling like this awful demon lady, but then to hear like, yeah, but you should be excited for this or it will all work out in the end, but your photos will be better or people will enjoy the day anyway. It felt kind of quite minimizing or quite dismissive. You know, in those statements as well. So I wondered if, you know, other people experience those comments. I know a lot of people do who are planning the wedding, the yeah, buts, because, you know, as we spoke about in the last episode, that discomfort of seeing someone unhappy or worried, you know creates that narrative creates like yeah but you'll be fine or yeah but photos will be beautiful yeah but everyone will have a good time while that's really lovely and well intended what it can do is minimize someone's experiences it can say yeah but you should be happy (laughs) yeah but it'll all be fine and so yeah I I really struggled with those statements as well
1: Mm, and what about kind of like pressure and expectations like we've often spoken about social media and the role that that can play in pressure for you know picture perfect wedding for it to look so beautiful even I guess for you to look the most beautiful you've ever looked and I know that was something that that we had conversations around and all of this pressure you feel and comparison you feel around your wedding day what was that like?
0: Yeah, I felt because I've, you know, struggled with body image before that, yeah, your wedding is the day where you think you should look your best. There is that, you know, quiet narrative that I think a lot of us feel that on your wedding day, I mean, I wonder if men feel it. I know certainly women, I've, you know, in discussion with friends, family, clients that my wedding day is the day where I should look the best I've ever looked in my life, And how much pressure is that? How much pressure is that to go into a day where you're already so overwhelmed trying to do all the things while for a lot of people, while working full time, while parenting, (laughs) while trying to maintain a social life, like to go into it, that extra pressure was, yeah, it felt really suffocating. Like, oh my God, have to look the best I've ever looked. And it was quite interesting, even like dress shopping, for example, I remember I was a bit nervous about how that would go. And that certainly is such a, you know, a triggering place for some people. I think changing rooms or looking in mirrors or having someone assess you and look at you is quite triggering for so many people who've ever had, you know, concerns around their body or felt insecure within themselves. So I think even things like wedding dress shopping can be so triggering for so many people. But even, you know, the commentary around that I found, you know, was, I remember one seamstress said to me, actually, when she was measuring me up, she was like, oh, like, I'll just take it in a little bit more because you'll lose three kilos. And I remember thinking, what? Like She's like, no, 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 you will. You will. You'll just lose the three kilos. So I'll make it a little bit tighter. And I remember thinking, like, what? You know, already I'm already feeling quite pressured to look good and then to hear that extra pressure you lose three kilos. I don't I didn't I didn't ask for further clarification. I was trying not to scream, but you know, whether she meant out of stress or whatever it might be, I, I felt really, yeah, really quite pressured from a comment like that in the narrative around brides and how to look on your wedding is Already so much pressure than to hear it from external sources. Like I was literally just researching then about wedding stuff. And it was how to manage stress on your wedding day. And it was a really well-written article. And then no word of a lie, it was like, next article, how to shred for your wedding. And it was like <laughs> so, so toxic, that messaging around wed shred or wed bod or whatever it might be. So if you're already going into the wedding planning process and you have body image concerns, and this is a really, really triggering really triggering situation for so many people. So, yeah, I I certainly felt that in my own personal experience and I know a lot of people do. I, I'd be curious as a bridesmaid, Ames, like did you ever feel that, I guess, in, you know, bridesmaid stresses or in like your own, you know, I guess
1: as part of the bridal party or feeling as though you were, you know, part of the attention as well? Really funny, I guess, personal experience. and I know uh, everyone will be really, really different, but I think you have this... The attention is all on the bride. Yeah. So it, it doesn't matter what dress I'm in or what I look like or how my hair is. Like, obviously, you want to feel comfortable, but it's, it's, it's not about me. It's, it's about the bride. And I know those are conversations that I had with other bridesmaids and people that have been involved in wedding parties is that, well, it's really just not about me. And like I said, obviously, you want to feel comfortable, but I think, (laughs) <laughs> there's also this expectation as being part of a bridal party that it, this day is just not about you. Yeah, and so no, no matter what dress you're asked to wear and I, I think you were such an accommodating bride, you were very, very conscious and unaware to make your bridesmaids feel really comfortable and you gave us, you know, permission to pick what, whatever dress we felt good in, which really helped. But, yeah, I think there is just such a huge juxtaposition bride versus bridesmaid it's like okay this is all about you what what can we do to make you feel comfortable so that you feel exactly right That like like this is the most special day of your life i think naturally when you are going to a really special event there is pressure to perhaps look a certain way so absolutely Maybe there was a, a little bit of messaging around. Okay, you're going to be in really important, meaningful photos, and so I, I guess that is is naturally a little bit of mindfulness around how you look. And I think it, it kind of comes back to well, you don't don't want to be that person in someone's wedding photos that's like, oh, ruined the photo for them. I, I think it, it's it's very different. Still, perhaps a little bit of pressure, but in in very very different ways.
0: Yeah, you're spot on. It's like it's not about you, but then it's also like, but that doesn't give you space to, yeah, you maybe you feel your own shame or guilt about not being happy with something, or maybe you feel you can't speak up because if there is that narrative around it's not about me, it's about the bride, I'm not as important, go with whatever they want to do, then that creates a bit of unsafety, doesn't it? Around, or should I speak up if I don't like how I look, or should I say something about this dress, or you know, like, yeah, you're right. It does leave you feeling a bit, yeah, maybe a bit stuck sometimes with what to do if you're in the bridal party.
1: Mm, Well, I think for me what it definitely did exacerbate was maybe that feeling of helplessness, like there is nothing I can say or do, especially around what you were going through, Kat, like the weather, for example there is literally nothing I can say or do to change the weather and make it a beautiful sunshiny day. We did lots of sunshine dances and <laughs> praying and willing for it to be to be a good day. <laughs> but I think what some bridesmaids or, or wedding party might experience is like, yeah, it seeing the stress and being like, oh, well, there, there isn't actually much I can do. So feeling that helplessness of feeling like oh I'm just I just really want to try and help in any way that I can but also feeling like there's not much that I can do to help yeah it, it is
0: it feels so yeah isolating I think for, for both sides really yeah, helpless but I remember you saying like <laughs> put down the weather app so <laughs> I was like I can't Amy I really can't I'm trying <laughs> This is my safety behavior. It's how I feel a sense of control. I know this is unhealthy. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it is certainly really isolating. And I found talking to other brides. Um, one of my bridesmaids was a bride, and I found that really helpful because it was like, "You've been here. You get it. Is this normal? Am I crazy?" you know is this how you felt and I think hearing like yes this is exactly how I felt you're not crazy it's really stressful you know I, I think hearing just normalizing the experience was really helpful so that's my hot tip if you are someone leading up to your wedding you're feeling quite alone chat to someone who's also been through it chat to someone who's had a wedding and has had to organise, you know, their own their own wedding and and yeah, I think really normalising,
1: validating your feelings around that would be helpful. Absolutely, absolutely. I think what I've noticed with friends and clients, another really huge part of why weddings are so stressful is going through a bit of a grief process. So grief is often physiologically very similar to distress. In our body, and especially the last two or so years having a global pandemic, there has been a lot of loss, Yeah, loss of hopes and dreams, expectations, how you visualized or anticipated your wedding being versus what it actually was, that whole expectation versus reality is actually really similar to a grief process and having to go through a bit of an acceptance of new reality has been really, really stressful and distressing to, to a lot of brides and grooms-to-be, I've really noticed.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think the post-wedding grief is really challenging. I think there is a bit of a natural slump after uh, a wedding that so many people feel and, yeah, it, it's a really – another part of the process that feels quite isolating it's like all said and done that was so exciting and so lovely now what (laughs) I think so many people feel that now what feeling around what to do after because you've been so go 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 probably been in fight or flight um (laughs) leading up and then you almost you're right have that slump and that pause and you slow down and you stop running and you think it's great not to have so much pressure and weight on me but now what you know like what what now, I feel a bit lost or a bit unsure of what to do
1: now. Or well, even like, yeah, absolutely, po- post-wedding blues, post-wedding depression, absolutely a thing. But even, I guess, did you did you experience grief throughout the planning process because it was different to what you expected? Oh
0: Yes, yeah. So, in yeah, the expectation versus reality, for sure. I, yeah. I think that tension of what you sit in or that cognitive dissonance of, this is what I thought my wedding would look like versus this is what it actually is, is really uncomfortable to sit in. And you think, yes, well, I'd love to have this, I don't know, jumping castle. whatever might <laughs> be I'm a child, so this is what I wanted, but I'd love to have this beautiful venue. I'd love to have, this is my, you know, how the night would look. I'd love to have this amazing addition, these beautiful florals or this specific type of food. And often that comes at a cost and a lot of people can't afford that so i think yeah that that tension or that grief or that discomfort that you sit in is really uncomfortable and and i think for so many people it's quite disappointing you know i i think that expectation of this is what my wedding should be like and this is what i've always dreamt it to be and then you learn about more about what's actually realistic can be so disappointing and certainly provoke those feelings of grief and sadness and i think As, like, from a people pleasing perspective, I remember always thinking, you know, what will other people think? Will they like this? I I was really caught up on, will other people like this? And then when I thought, like, oh gosh, will they like this? Or will this be what people want to do? Or, you know, and I think that started to take me away from what I really wanted to do. And I, I think it's so easy to get caught up because you're planning this amazing, beautiful celebration. But I wonder if so many people feel like that as, as, Will I, will I like it or what's more important that I like it or that someone else likes it? I think that's a really tough place to get caught up in and can increase those feelings of grief because for a lot of people, especially with family involved, if maybe families are kind enough to lend money, then you can start to learn or start to feel, you know, guilt if you can't do something that maybe your family wants to do. If they've given you money, maybe you feel like, oh, no, no, I feel kind of guilty, you know, they've helped us out, which is lovely, but maybe I should do more of what they want to do what I think they like to do or, or maybe I should do this because it's what perhaps people expect of me and you can slowly start to go away from what you want to do and I think that's another grief is the grief, the loss of the wedding that you really want versus what you think you should have. I think, yeah, a lot of people may feel that pressure, especially when it comes to family influence or family involvement.
1: Absolutely, which is which is a a huge kind of internal conflict because it is feeling a sense of sadness and sometimes even heartbreak around uh, an event or a celebration that is meant to be so exciting and warm and you know about love essentially. Yeah, yeah, and I think that can build a bit of
0: resentment, you know, when you start to think, oh, now, you know, mum and dad want me to do this or they've asked me to invite their friends or this is how they see my day panning out or, you know, this is what I think other people might like or maybe I should do it this way. It's tradition or it's culture or it's what, you know, everyone's telling me I should do. What that can do is create, yeah, a bit of resentment, you know, resentment that you haven't been able to have the day that you really wanted and, and that can be really above everything else with wedding planning sitting in that you know discomfort of do I go for what I really want to do in so I can meet my own expectations and needs or should I err away from that to make other people happy and yeah you're right it's
1: Really, expectations versus reality can be so tough and that grief to to sit in. Mm, A lot of conflicting moving parts, aren't there? Because it kind of feels like this is meant to be my special day but I care so much about what it means Mm. for others as well because the people that are there are the most important people to me.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people do plan weddings for other people. Like a lot of people or friends that I speak to have this same feeling of.
1: You know, the weddings for everyone wedding. else. yeah. Weddings
0: for everyone else, weddings for my family, weddings for friends. And so many people that I've spoken to as well. And I felt this going to weddings as a guest is sometimes so much more fun and relaxing <laughs> than going <laughs> to a wedding in the bridal party or as a bridal groom, because it's quite a stressful day. I think actually the actual day and lead up is is quite stressful. So yeah, I think a lot of people do plan it for they think that you know the, the guests would like or what looks cool or what's trendy on Instagram rather than what they actually want to do and what's realistic as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what, what do you think the main psychological impacts of going through this prolonged stress is like we've got our usual signs and symptoms of of prolonged or chronic stress like sleep, appetite, a shorter fuse, not being able to make decisions and I think that that's probably a really tricky part of this is because it's such a mental load and there are so many decisions that you need to make that sometimes when we're really really stressed and overwhelmed we can actually have like decision paralysis where it's like I just feel like ah, I don't know what to do anymore and feeling like all this pressure to make the perfect decision and get everything right for such a, a long period of time what do you think the impact mm. of, of that whole bubble is
0: <laughs> trauma <laughs> I remember when you messaged me actually and you were like hey what do you think the now color should be and I was like I, I, I had so much you know I, I think you're right with that decision paralysis and I was like I just couldn't even like I think you're like should we do a nude or a pink and I was like I don't know. Like I just genuinely don't know. I feel like I should know this, but so you reach a point, you're right. That decision paralysis can lead to decision fatigue and detachment. I think there is a, a level of detachment when you're under that much stress. Your cortisol's through the roof for, for weeks or months on on end. Then essentially, you can start to detach and disconnect, and you know it can lead to that fatigue and overwhelm. So it can be impacting on your sleep and fatigue. You can either be sleeping much more than what you you usually do or sleeping a lot less. You could be having sleepless nights, checking the weather apps. Your brain obviously will, there will be some long-term impact of being in fight or flight or being under immense amounts of pressure. So, you know, brain fog, I felt another one. I remember I was trying to work leading up to it and I just would sometimes have moments of brain fog or detachment of just not being able to think clearly, my concentration (laughs) focus because there's just so much going on, especially like the closer you get to the day. And, yeah, you're right, emotional dysregulation, not being able to cope with normal life stuff. You know, I think I remember I felt quite irritated, really on edge couldn't cope, couldn't handle. And I think that's pretty common to expect given that the, the leader. So I think psychologically and cognitively, there's a lot going on physiologically as well. Like I remember I had no energy. <laughs> I remember feeling so drained and fatigued and just like a shell of a human. I, I think a lot of people do feel that with a prolonged exposure to stress is everything, everything is impacted emotionally, physically. Uh, psychologically so much is impacted. So I think all of those things, um, changes in appetite, changes to sex drive, and you can imagine what that does to your relationship, right? If you're feeling all of these things and all of this pressure, you can imagine how that looks in relationships, especially with the one that you're going to marry. So certainly had an impact relationally as well with poor Josh. He <laughs> uh, really coped with a lot in that week leading up. So I think everything, to be totally honest with you, I don't think there's one area. I remember actually work. I really loved going to work, but it was a challenge to focus. So, yeah, I wonder if other people feel the same. But, you know, if you're feeling that pervasive amount of stress that it did impact on 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 everything, digestion, you know, those really physiological things, fertility, all of those things. I remember I, I didn't get my period the, the three months before, I think, leading up to the wedding.
1: So I really felt there was a domino effect that yeah, it really hit everything. That dissociation can sometimes be a continuum. So when we're going through prolonged chronic stress, dissociation as an adaptive strategy, our organ goes, okay, well, we need to slow everything down. We need to immobilize so that we can cope with such big, intense stress. And sometimes you might space out for a couple of hours. Sometimes it can be days weeks months of just feeling like you're in this autopilot dazed kind of frazzled brain foggy lethargic state and that's because you've essentially just burnt out <laughs> your, your adrenal glands body body essentially goes no we're, we're tapping out we're we're shutting down to create more capacity to cope to essentially rest after you've been through way too much stress
0: hundred percent and I think a lot of people don't feel that until after. I think you have that, you know, that classic cortisol and adrenaline getting you through until not until after that you're perhaps you have give yourself the permission to rest and slow and take a breath. But yeah, that the long-term effects of derealization, dissociation, it does, it really does. It
1: really hits you. <laughs> you can't get out of this one scot-free. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess when you've been through three wedding postponements it's like, oh, how much more do I have in the tank?
0: <laughs> I'm like, wonder if I can get out of this one. If I can try and like, will my body let me just slide right out under this one? It was like, I remember in the honeymoon. I was so tired. It's like you know when you're at school and you like keep on going, you keep on going, you keep on going. <laughs> the first week of school holidays, you get so sick. Oh, so I was like, I was like, ah, oh, yes, let my body rest. Um, this is what happens.
1: I think another thing that can really come up here or what I've, what I've definitely observed in working with clients is attachment styles. So I think attachment styles, because they are uh, essentially our blueprints of how we see ourselves in the world and how we cope, our whole coping capacity, our whole little internal working model, They it, it can be actually really helpful to understand your attachment style and your partner's attachment style um, when going through the wedding planning process, because they are essentially our unconscious drives, which influence not only our relationship and how our relationship functions, but also how we function in the world. So, for example, like we've been speaking about difficulty with boundaries, you know, if we have a bit of an anxious, ambivalent attachment style, this can really impact the wedding planning process you know, if we have an underlying fear of abandonment and we have an avoid an attachment style, this can be really impactful in, in how we cope with wedding planning as well. And e- even things like our coping strategies, you know, if we tend to go into more of a left hemisphere dominant coping mode where we we do tend to go for that over analysis and cognize how we feel, or if we are very avoidant and bury our head in the sand and um, with things like the financial stress or, you know, control. We do tend to have a very anxious understanding of the world and and safety um going going to those more tangible behavioural things as a way to cope. I, I think that can definitely come up and and serve a really important purpose as well when when we're wanting to look after stress and wanting to care for anxiety in our nervous system throughout the whole process.
0: Yeah, I think 100% attachment styles are really helpful here because there's so many complex dynamic relationship dynamics at play and I think it's understanding yourself is really helpful when going through this really, really stressful time. As well, though, uh, if you're someone who experiences anxiety, if you're someone who experiences any low moods or mood disorders, if you're someone who does align with being a perfectionist, or a people pleaser, that this is going to be a really triggering time for you and and acknowledging that that's okay. There's so many stressful things to have to think about, so much planning and just, I, I think, really validating that this is okay that you feel like this. I think it's really helpful to look back at how You've coped in the past. So we've all been through really tough stuff and I find it really helpful when working through this time, especially with people getting married. How do you cope? How have you coped historically when things have been overwhelming? When you've experienced really complex family or friendship dynamics, how did you cope through that? How did you get through that? If you were to face that again, do you think that you would and what would you do in that situation? How could you care for yourself if that were to come up? financially you know how can you cope with the financial stress what do you need in that moment you know if you're classically as Ames is saying someone who avoids it is there anything that you could do to help yourself through that you know if you're someone who avoids can you maybe have a bit of a, a way forward can you care for yourself in that moment can you think about how to manage your finances from a place that feels safe but also maintains a sense of control can you you know, it's, it's looking back historically. I find that really helpful because although you may not have planned a wedding before, you've been through really difficult stuff before. You've been through similar situations with relationship dynamics, financial stresses, and it's about how to manage those and how to kind of manage them when they do come up. Because they will, unfortunately, come up. So I think that's really helpful is looking back at your strengths, looking back at how you've coped with things in the past and using that as a bit of a a guide for how you can cope in the future. I think your bridal party will be really helpful as well. Bridal party are the best. (laughs) I'm not biased, Um, but I find that's really helpful to lean on your support system and To seek validation, I think it was so good having Aims as a maid of honour. You were very validating, which was really helpful in in those moments where you felt
1: quite isolated. So
0: I feel like those two things are really helpful. Anything
1: to add? Yeah, absolutely. And I think (laughs) if you are anyone that is currently in a bridal party or have been in a bridal party and you're listening to this episode thinking, crap, I have done – Not the best job at validating or reassuring and instead tried to reframe or, or, or be a, you know, positive voice of reason. You are not alone because I think even as much as I was trying to be aware of that, you are human and I'm even cringing a little bit of maybe some of the responses. I gave to you, Cat, when when you were going through all of this. I think it, that that can be really tricky. So yes, absolutely. If if you are a bride or part of a bridal party, groomsmen, listening and acknowledging and reassuring, a- absolutely. I think just going back to attachment and and self, uh, that, that would be how I would work with a client or even try and support a friend. I think building a solid relationship with yourself to tune into yourself and trust your inner knowing is really important. As we've talked about, there can be a lot of pressure and stress around expectations and we can just feel so stuck and so lost and when we are in a state of distress, that is when our unconscious drives from childhood really show up because oftentimes when we're stressed and we're in our survival brain, we respond to perceptions of the past with those automatic unconscious drives like perfectionism, like people pleasing, like the over control mode. So I have a little activity just as something a little bit more practical and tangible, setting a time for three minutes a day and asking yourself, how am I really feeling in this moment? Tuning into your body, noticing your body's sensations, maybe it is tightening in your chest, maybe it is tension in your back, headaches, maybe it is that sea urchin in your throat, that really prickly ball that just won't go away, maybe it is a really yucky tummy. How am I really feeling in this moment? How am I responding to this moment? Am I responding out of guilt that I feel like it's not enough? Am I responding with shame or frustration or resentment that I feel like no one's listening to me, no one's understanding me, and maybe there's something wrong with me here? So really taking a good moment to pause and tune in to yourself. What am I really feeling in this moment? How am I responding here? And what do I really need to feel supported? Oftentimes we tune out of ourselves and tune into everyone else around us. So I think it's really about training your brain in moments of distress to build that connection with yourself and follow through with what I'm really needing by taking action to actually fulfill that need. And I think that's a step that we often miss, especially when we're in a lot of distress. It's very normal and natural that that happens. But really learning to check in with yourself can help with things like people-pleasing, perfectionism, feeling that sense of loss and control and helplessness. When it is those really prickly conversations, I statements can be really helpful to communicate. So in this moment, I'm really feeling that I need this. Um, as a way for people to really understand and share your experience and what's happening for you. Sometimes it can be, can be really tricky to try and find the language around how we're feeling and what we're needing when we are in such a, a stressful situation. And then coming back to attachment, so as much as we talk about attachment having, you know, uh, quite, I guess, negative for lack of a better word, attributes in relationships like we we talk about a secure attachment being the ideal and that's what we really want to earn or come back to but i think part of knowing your attachment and part of understanding yourself also allows us to see that different attachment styles actually carry strengths as well and understanding how you operate in relationship and understanding your coping capacities not only around, okay, what might be triggering or what I might be really sensitive to or hypervigilant to, you know, like whether you you crave closeness or whether you are someone who really likes space, you know, whether certain situations feel really suffocating or that you tend to really be able to be there for your partner in in different situations. That can be really helpful to understand too. So um, being able to recognize, okay, well, what does my attachment system really allow me to do? You know, it might actually allow me to respond really quickly to threats. It might enable me to be really independent and not just rely on everyone else around me. Perhaps it allows me to focus on the things that I need to do to be really productive. Or all of those things that that come up with anxious attachment and avoidant attachment that are really good things that we have adapted to allow us to cope with distress so kind of being able to recognize those things as strengths and and utilize them um, to expand coping capacity can be really helpful too so one knowing what I need but two knowing how I cope with distress and and knowing what works well for me by knowing my attachment system knowing my attachment style can be can be really helpful even like for you, Kat, I know that you are such an amazing supportive partner. Yeah, so that knowing that I'm I'm even under the most extreme distress of my life, I'm a really, really supportive partner and I still see my partner in such a positive light, such a, a beautiful light. You know, I never dislike my partner. I never turn against my partner even when we are in such a <laughs> chaotic storm and that's a huge strength when you
0: said that i was like mm,
1: i don't know if i was very
0: supportive for josh
1: <laughs> Well ba- based on our conversations and, and i guess knowing you very well even perhaps when maybe it felt like <laughs> you weren't so so much i definitely can see that you're you're a very supportive understanding caring partner and that doesn't waver in in distress i think part of you and Josh what makes you such a strong couple is that you work as a team and that's a huge huge superpower when you're battling through the absolute you know rocket missiles of planning a wedding during a global pandemic mm, yeah it's
0: <laughs> you're like <great>. oh. <laughs> i like he really really pulled that team Amy I'm not sure if I was a really good teammate in that moment I think because I was just like in fight or flight, like you know, when you're in fight or flight, and you just can't. You're in tunnel vision. You know, I think poor Josh, God bless his little soul, but yeah, <laughs> like he he definitely was more of the team member than I was. But yeah, certainly in certainly other contexts, I felt you know, I feel like a lot more balanced. But yeah, in mean, I think with that wedding, it was he was also saying, you know, like it's okay, everything will be okay, and I was, and that can be quite you know, isolating as well. So I think he was certainly more of a team member than I was. But I really love what you're saying about checking in with you. I think that's so important to come to because if you are feeling that isolation, then you feel like no one's there. You feel like people are there physically and checking in with you. And and it's so well intended and so well meaning, but emotionally you feel quite alone. And I think coming back to you you know you're never alone when you have you there the managing your anxieties managing that you know dysregulated system is about yeah the body work it's really hard to calm your mind when your body is so dysregulated so perhaps it is doing some body work I found really helpful is just chucking a song on and doing some belly breaths. I found really six uh, playlists on Spotify and I found that really helpful in those moments. Although it didn't take away the stresses, what it did do, as Ames was saying, was give me a greater capacity to cope. And I think, you know, beyond weddings, this is such a great strategy to have your toolkit because I think coming back to your body is always so so important when managing so much heavy stress so much ongoing consistent stress and uncontrollables what's going on for your body is so so helpful certainly to check in with and to start with and as Ames was mentioning echoing that sentiment of what do you need in that moment maybe you need a hug Maybe you don't need to talk anymore. Maybe you need someone else to make a decision for you. Maybe you need to take a breath and go for a walk. Yeah, I think just disconnecting from the process can be helpful too. Maybe you need to just step away because it can feel so all-consuming, especially the weeks leading up. But knowing it's okay to take a break, take a breath, (laughs) have a distraction elsewhere, I find just detaches you from that feeling and so you can come back into that feeling. From a, you know, with your cup a little bit more full and a bit more ability, a higher ability to cope when you step away. So, yeah, I think the body work, the thought work, um, and the connection, as Ames was mentioning, is really important and knowing your attachment styles here. Um, what about for bridal party, Ames? I'd love to get your opinion on this. What do you feel? Because it is so stressful being in the bridal party because you mentioned before, it's like, oh, well, I want to make sure that the bride is happy and. Don't want to do the wrong thing. What do you feel like is helpful for managing stress if you're someone in the in the bridal party?
1: Mm, good question. I think I, I wanted to park a question too Or what, what would be helpful for grooms to mm-hmm. know and groomsmen to know because I know that was a question that we had a lot on Instagram. Helpful tips or words of wisdom for grooms that feel really helpless because I guess that that is a part that we, we didn't really touch on but like roles of responsibility too in planning a wedding. I guess for bridesmaids or, or even even anyone in, in the bridal party, I think if you are really feeling that stress, checking in, uh, checking in with self and checking in with the bridal groom, I think one thing that I've I've really learnt is just to listen, yeah? not not try and fix or solve or I think sometimes it can feel like you're not doing enough like oh is there something that i should be doing more like i'm not sure what's happening here you know should i know this and you can feel like a sense of guilt or like it's such a special privilege to be asked to be part of someone's most special day and so sometimes i think you can feel that pressure of like am i doing enough am i you know living up to the expectations of of your big day so i think Sometimes it can be important too to just have those lines of communication really open and kind of uh, essentially similar to what we're saying about looking after yourself as a bride, looking after your own nervous system, looking after your own stress, checking in with yourself, you know, is this sense of guilt and feeling like I'm not doing enough or what am I actually responding to and what am I needing? Maybe I'm needing reassurance that I've done everything that I can do and knowing that the people that I'm worried about are, are okay or, or is there something that I could be doing that would be more helpful and we don't know that un- unless we check in. So I think that sometimes that can be really helpful. And, and yeah, c- coming back to yourself as, as always, looking after your own stress, looking after your own worries around what the day might be bringing up for you or feelings of helplessness, that sense of am I doing enough, you know, should I be doing more. I think sometimes that can weigh quite heavily on the bridal party as well. Or just, just feeling, feeling almost like that secondhand stress, or like that that second wave stress filtering down. So, making sure that you're managing your own stress.
0: Mm, mm, yeah, fantastic. I, I love that, and I think as well it speaks to control. I think you know, um, perhaps others feel this way too. But I remember feeling like I want control over everything. So it really. It's really difficult for someone to help when there is certainly just one person needing control and wanting to make all the decisions and do all the things. So it leaves you kind of in this stuck feeling and perpetuates that feeling of helplessness and guilt more of there's only so much I can do to help them because they've got it covered so I don't know what else I can do, yeah, that, that stuck feeling. So about the groom, I think that's interesting about the you know groomsman and the groom, what do you feel like could be helpful advice for groom and groomsmen?
1: Well, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because I think there is this culture or especially in Western culture, Western culture and society that there, there's a lot of emphasis and expectation on the bride and maybe not always. Like I actually do know a lot of people where the groom has planned the wedding and the groom has taken a lot of responsibility in the whole planning process. But I think generally speaking – Um, There is a lot of responsibility that tends to fall on the bride and sometimes that can be a really such a a tricky situation to navigate because sometimes it's not that groom doesn't want to be involved, it's just that it's okay, well, this feels like more important to the bride and that can be sometimes really prickly to navigate or, or when you have differing expectations of of who does what and even how you want the day to look. Like Versus, you know, say the groom has a bigger family than the bride or there are different expectations of how each person wants the wedding day to look, you know, whether you want a smaller wedding and your, your groom wants... A bigger wedding or say I was speaking to a friend recently, he had eight groomsmen and she had four bridesmaids. And so then it was about coming to a compromise of how the other four special people to him could be a part of the wedding day if like each bridal party was mismatched. So it can can be a bit of a clusterfuck to try and – collaborate and come to a yes as a couple and I think with anything with any when it comes to to values when it comes to things that are really really important to us it is about communication really open respectful kind communication to each other and curiosity asking each other questions checking in a lot about how we're feeling about everything. What, what do you need from me? You know, how does this look for you? And having these conversations like, you know, obviously not straight away, but, you know, say a couple of months after you get engaged, like being curious about, okay, well, what does a wedding look like for us? What is really important to us? What are our non-negotiables? What are things that we really, really value? And what are things that we don't really care about as a couple? Yeah, maybe it is that the bride really wants to plan it all and the groom is very much like, yep, yeah, I'm happy for you to take the reins, but these are some things that are really important to me. Can we weave them in there? And you might have a couple that it's it's really important that you have a a very fair, balanced collaboration where there's equal parts of both in your wedding. So, I think it's really tricky to say that there is a right way and a wrong way because I don't think there is. I think most important thing is is open communication and consistent check-ins, like having that continual curiosity around how do we feel about everything that's happening and that we don't leave any room for assumption that I just assumed you were totally fine with me having eight groomsmen. And so I've already asked them all to be part of the bridal party. And I didn't realize that you you were only having four bridesmaids. And then now how do we make that work? I think sometimes when we're really, really stressed, as we've just discussed that weddings can be, Sometimes our decision-making isn't the greatest, you know, cognitive brain's out the window. So having those really, really nice open conversations can be helpful and just making sure that we are on the same page with what we're expecting from each other and what our values are, what's important to us.
0: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, having a partnership is really important and I think using the planning, the wedding planning, is a great place to learn more about each other what's important, what's not important, and knowing that it's okay if those things change along the way because they can. What I first thought wasn't super important did become important and and vice versa with Josh as well. So okay that there there may be some non-negotiables that can be flexible. You know, what what does, you know, as you learn more about it, if you've never planned one before, you think, oh, yeah, I think I'd be happy with this, but then knowing, having capacity for flexibility and change, I, I think over the whole wedding process, that's a really important thing to note. For couples in this is capacity for change, capacity for things to be a little bit different along the way that what you set out to plan is very different usually to what actually happens and being okay with that. I think curiosity and checking in is is a great, wonderful thing to do and I think as a groom or, you know, someone listening or we're being very heteronormative here. You can have brides and brides and grooms and grooms but for one partner who's wanting to support the other partner, Having, you know, just validating, I think is helpful. Having, you know, just, I'm really sorry that you feel like this. This must be really tough. Are you okay? Rather than, you know, those really quite reductive statements of you'll be fine or we'll figure it out. Or while well, that's helpful to hear, just I think validating and listening is, is a really great, great thing to do for those in, in distress.
1: Um, would be helpful. Absolutely. And even sounding so much like a broken record here, but even just going back to, attachment and and knowing that okay when things do get really really tense and maybe we are having a little bit of conflict ar- around something because maybe initial expectations aren't going to plan understanding our partner's attachment can can really help in situations like this because for example someone that has a disorganized attachment might have a lot of capacity for for caring deeply and showing affection However, there might be a lot of unrealistic expectations on our partner because of a profound fear of rejection or abandonment and, and how that can really show up as pressure and, you know, like we mentioned, the whole reality versus expectation thing can can really come up. We can be particularly sensitive to, to triggers in relationship and our perceptions of what might actually be happening may be coming from different perceptions of the past so being able to know that about our partner and understand our partner's coping capacity can help us be a little bit more flexible and a little bit more understanding as things do change and help us I guess just relate to each other a little bit better
0: well, yeah and even so in families like mm. families play a big role in planning a wedding and how much involvement do they have and you know, if you have any trauma or any distress with certain family members or have a you know tension or you, you are in conflict with certain family members and that can really exacerbate your attachment style and i think your ability to cope i think it brings so much to the surface for not just your partner but also family family can be really difficult to manage in all of this and if you're someone who has maybe more of that anxious attachment or is someone who uh, exudes more of the people-pleasing behaviors and imagine how that can look like within a family setting you know with parents how how does that come up how does that come up in trying to make them happy and, and and make you happy and make your partner happy like you know i think managing family relationships is really important and knowing that about your family so about your partner is helpful but i think as well your family how do they cope with stress what's going on for them you know i think that can be really helpful tool in managing getting through those
1: very complex family dynamics, too. Alrighty, so Katniss, talk to me about post-wedding blues, post-wedding depression. It is a thing. What is it? How do we get it? Signs and symptoms. Take it away. <laughs>
0: Firstly, want to clarify post-wedding depression isn't an official diagnosis, but I think it's certainly, I think post-wedding blues is certainly, you know, it, it really does impact so many people and it's often not spoken about. I think as I was you know, mentioning before, you've been under so much stress and it's been very go, go, go. And then to experience a moment of pause and slowing down does create a slump in mood and it does create this feeling of loss and stuckness you've had something to occupy you for so long and then you get to you know you finish your honeymoon you get you know the love bubble is you know slowly fading and that community that you had checking with you is not checking with you as much you you know you kind of go from almost 100 to zero it can feel like and so you come home and you think oh my gosh I'm one part relieved one part sad you know I think we can experience some grief you know, as we were speaking about before after this process is all, all done and all finished so post-wedding blues and the slump after a wedding that you might feel is, is so real and so okay I think so many people feel like this so I think signs and symptoms might be you know a, a loss of motivation to go back to work you might feel a loss of fit bit stuck in oh I've got to you know continue on and you know go back to the gym or Go back to some level of normality, you're going to start to, you know, have, have my normal life back. Well, that can be great. It can also be a bit deflating or a bit defeating to think, oh gosh, what do I have to look forward to or work towards now? It's like that same post holiday blue feeling, right? You know, when you go on an amazing holiday and you get back and you think, Oh, <laughs> what now? What do I have to look forward to? So I think your signs and symptoms are you just see lack of motivation, you know, lowered concentration not being able to look forward to anything, you know, your serotonin's dipped, it's low, and you're not sure what to do. I think so many people feel that, oh, what do I do now, feeling. So really want to normalise that. That's okay. I will say on one hand it's a completely appropriate response to what everything you've been through, but if you notice that it's sticking around for longer than three months, that slump, that low feeling, the low moods, the lethargy, I would recommend seeking some support because you've just been through something so big and it's normal that you feel like this after. It's it's really an expected and appropriate physiological and psychological response. But if it does start to impact on your life or if you notice that that feeling doesn't go away, that's a really good time to reach out for some support. And I think just getting back into normal life would be my tip to manage this. It's slowly and surely Not knowing, not feeling like you have to just get straight back into everything, smash back into work, you know, get back into whatever routine you had, slow and steady, will win the race. And know that it's okay, that it takes time to get back into things. And, you know, I think just a bit of a lot of self care around this time would be really helpful.
1: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And there is actually a rise in postnuptial therapy as well, or people seeking therapeutic intervention after their wedding day because of this I think it is you know all of your energy brain space is funneled into this one big day what I have noticed mainly with clients that I work with is that often it is everything else is kind of put on hold for this one big day and then when that big day is is over there is a, a complex mixture of boredom isolation a new reality, new identity. When people ask you, like, has wedding life changed? Like in, in terms of basic things, like where I live and where I work, it, it hasn't. But what people can go through is a bit of an an identity shift, a bit of an identity transition where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm a wife now or I'm a husband now. What does that mean for me? And I think too what can come up is sometimes newlyweds who have viewed their wedding as like the end goal like this is like the biggest thing that I could accomplish this is like my my grand success and it is it is a huge huge achievement celebration wonderful milestone in your life but sometimes seeing it as like essentially the be all and end all creates a lot of I guess okay well now there's nowhere to go and so it almost feels like a, a little bit of a plummet as such whereas people who view it as like a new chapter like this is the start of a whole new chapter in my life and i'm excited for what marriage entails as Kat was saying like it when it feels more like the wedding is the thing and the marriage is not the thing that can really contribute to to post wedding blues and i guess just feeling uncertain in general or dissatisfied in general around life after the wedding can really contribute to those feelings of like oh now what and feelings of I guess disconnect due to the amount of stress and emphasis placed on the wedding sometimes what I've noticed and observed people experience is because I had such an overwhelming preoccupation with the wedding I withdrew a little bit from friends family my usual hobbies other goals all of those things were kind of put on hold for a little bit and so then when the wedding is over it's like oh okay like um, I need to get back into this thing that made me feel really good I, I need to reconnect with people that maybe I didn't have time for or prioritizing other things that that kind of make me feel good that I, I didn't have capacity for while in the intensity of, of wedding planning. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent that, that feeling of lost and a bit stuck and yeah, feeling not sure what to do or how to get back into it. Yeah. You're spot on and, and the impact of identity. If you're someone who's been so excited for the wedding, mm-hmm. it's like, well, what now I've, I've reached the mountaintop. So where do I go from here? I think That's so important to note. So. Yeah, well, guys, we hope that was helpful. We hope that anyone listening who has experienced or is going through this process feels less alone. We thought this was so important to share and have a conversation about because, yeah, it certainly is one of the toughest, toughest times you can go through. And we thought it'd be so important to normalize and validate anyone going through this. So we hope it was helpful. Amy, thank you so
1: much for sharing your beautiful wisdom and knowledge with us, as always. Oh, thank you for sharing such personal information I think it's really nice to hear and I think it's very brave and vulnerable to to share your own lived experience and I think it's really nice for people that are going through or about to go through a similar process to have something that they can relate to because as we said that seems to be the most kind of comforting support throughout this experience is, is hearing stories from people that have experienced the same thing so that you know that you're not alone 100 mm, percent
0: Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Do let us know if you like this episode. We are on Instagram at the Psychology Sisters and at the Psych Collaborative. We will see you in a few weeks for our next episode. But until then, have a lovely next few weeks and we
1: will chat to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you're not already, please follow us on Instagram at The Psychology Sisters. We are also now providing online psychological sessions. For more information, please follow us at The Psych Collaborative. See you next time.